Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Boring? Boring? That was the most fun draft it ever. It was a lot of fun. What were you doing? You didn't watch me and Ahmed in the barn? You didn't watch me a little tipsy with a little smoky? I mean, what are you doing? That wasn't boring. No, it was not. And this show shall not be boring. Yo, 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 yo. What's up? It's Chris Sims. Chris Sims on button. We got a special day here. Of course, we will continue the Chris Sims top 40 quarterback countdown. We're going to hit on a few news items, but most importantly, Connor Rogers is here. Connor Rogers is here. He's in style today. You guys know me. I always give a little bit for the listeners, just a view of what my co-host is looking like today. Fresh cut perfectly combed as always are you a gel a moose guy what are wax. you putting that wax. wax you're a wax guy yes okay it's i've always wondered slept on wax very slept on wax yep. okay yep. it holds it, it obvious, uh, obviously holds all day <laughs> yes. it, hell, it holds the Kentucky derby yeah. outside yeah he's got a little bit of like an Andy Reid Hawaiian shirt on today, but Without it's the cooler than that. Belly? Yeah. You don't have that. Yeah. You have muscles and pecs sticking out. Okay, all right. So you do got that, but it is a cool shirt. Thanks, but most man. importantly, because like I mean, you kill Ahmed Farid in the coolness style oh, department. Poor I mean, Ahmed, just man. kill him, right? He's out there just grinding and getting you know That's shit right. on. <laughs> Those I know, I know. Those sneaks. Those Thanks, sneaks man. are cool, man. Had to match them up. Man, you matched them up nicely today. Like, what do you got, Packers, Jordans on there? They what kind are they? of are. This is kind of my thank you to Green Bay for trading Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. <laughs> That's what it's you kind, did It's here? an ode right So you're here. wearing all green today yes. for your Jets. Yeah. And that With a little your... yellow snuck in on the shoes is a thank you to Brian Gutekunst. Okay, yes. very nice <laughs> yes. to you. What a good guy you yep. are. All right, man. Well, it's good to have you back. Everything good Dude, in your life? What's to, going on? Great Anything to new? be back. No, I mean, it's that time of year where things start to slowly get a little more quiet. Yeah. So happy to be here. Uh, listen to the first quarterback countdown. I, I don't know how the audience generally feels. I like the beginning because it goes through all the players that have the most room to grow. Yes, the ceiling exactly where right. I feel like the discussion is here's what this guy can do to be in the top 20 next year, or here's what can go wrong where he might not be a factor of the league. Sure. I, I think this is the most interesting part. Now the top is always what generates the most discussion yeah, because yeah, people are right. screaming and yelling and want their guy to be the top guy. But right. I love this section because I think it has the most variance. I, I, I don't disagree with you. It there. takes the most work. It does. It like, does take the most work. There, there are Sims. There are not a lot of guys. You are really only one of them that is diving deep into the, you know, 
whether it, whoever it may be. Right. I don't want to give away any yeah, names. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. But yes, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, I'm, 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 well, thank you for that. I am. And then you're right about your you know little rant there or you know synopsis of, of the bottom 10, bottom 12 guys. Usually it is guys with talent who are young, who have room to grow, or backups where we go, ooh, he's got a little something to right. him. And if he can kind of just put it together or get some opportunities, he might be able to show him some stuff there. Right, I know it always gets people in the last episode where I put three rooks rookies who haven't played in the NFL above two guys who are deemed starters, right? All right, yeah, I know. I took the liberty of, like, you know, training camp, and by that time comes around that, yeah, okay, Desmond Ritter and Sam Howell will be a little bit mentally better prepared than Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud by, you know, mid to late August, right? Sure, I get that. But also, at the same time, I think the other guy's physical abilities will close that gap. And, And then the coaches close the gap with how they formulate the game plan around it, too. Right. So where where a guy like me, okay, again, how this exercise goes, you can go, okay, um, and how I'm doing is a 32, you know, a 40 man uh, depth chart. Right. That's basically what it is. All on the same team. Right. We're not getting the advantage of, oh, you have this coordinator and we're going to take that with you. Tailored system or whatever. So we're not going to do that to where, okay. I might be able to have a few more things in my system under Sam Howell and Desmond Ritter. I get that. Uh, And I might have to simplify something for C.J. Stroud. But that doesn't mean it can't be every bit as effective. Like C.J. Stroud, okay, yeah. You know what I'll be able to do with him, and it'll work great? We're going to max protect a little bit, and he'll throw 20-yard out routes and comebacks and hit the bullseye all game long. And I can't necessarily say Desmond Ritter will do that. Yep. We're going to have to find a bootleg and other things. So, again, uh, this is why I do this. I, don't, I know everybody's not going to agree with me, but hopefully everybody can respect that I've been around, that I study it like you know, and that I'm, I'm, I'm the one that's trying to, you know, pierce through some of the bullshit and the politics right. and stats and win-losses. And, and narratives and hype. And hi- exactly. Quarterback is the, is the victim of hype. It's a big coverage. hype and stats and things right. like that, and it just takes takes over. And, and I've known you long enough to know you've been doing this, I mean, since I started Bleach Report in 2014, and you would sit in that little corner office, and we had, like, no space to do <laughs> no, any work no, there. No, that first office. We, but, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And you would sit in that little corner office and basically watch every throw from every quarterback of the week. It would be, like, week three, and you'd be diving into it. would be, like, Kaepernick's throws and everything yeah. like that. So it's kind of cool to see how much of this has grown now here at NBC into a 40 list that's, you know, been consistent now for a while. This is Thanks. a couple of years you've yeah. been doing this. Yeah. That's one thing I always kept up with since you left Bleacher Report. Thanks, buddy. It's, uh, I also am an enjoyer of outrage. Yeah. And, boy, does this cause it a lot of causes, fun outrage. It always causes outrage. It does. And uh, it, it is a fun exercise. It, uh, you know, you, you're right. Back in the day of the first Bleacher Report, you never even saw where I watched film in the second Bleacher Report office. No, where we actually had Well, we had an unbelievable second Bleacher Report. Yes. Like, it was like a Google office. hundred yeah, percent. We walked in, and I was like, we're not supposed well, to be here. I was like, we're not. Around. Are we working here today, or <laughs> yes. are we just going to have fun? 100%. Right? It was one of those. So, But I, we didn't have an office. I didn't have an office, and I wasn't going to watch film out in the middle of everybody. In no, Bleacher that's peasants. Report, right? no. Well, well look, you couldn't get any. I by the way, you couldn't get anything What are you watching? What are you doing? You what are you doing? What do you think of this guy? Yeah, I no. could never get it done. So I had to literally go back upstairs into, like, a custodian closet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, like Lefko and them would be able to tell you, like I was in a custodian closet where it was like a yeah. throwaway desk, and I could just sit there and kind of do probably my with thing. no natural light because I know what you're talking about. Exactly right, nothing. No, it no, was literally just, like a wormhole. It like. was a wormhole, just like a big <laughs> closet, basically, is what it was. But it, it worked, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to get to this. Hey, when I get to these, this is where it's nitpicky, like you were talking about. Yeah. There's potential to grow, and the one thing that 
I'll tell you what really solidifies it to me is as I start to make the list concise and get a little closer, and I then once I start to go, okay, wait, I think I'm getting to the end here. I, th- that's when I my second look of going back to film again, and now watching the people I have in these close quarters one after another right after each other that's when i can really go oh wait no this guy's a little bit better right here oh i'm watching this guy Ooh, okay and, and i can really compare and nitpick and it, it it clarifies itself as, as in that process and the way i do it and i think some of the biggest battle during this part is sample size yes which we're going to deal with a lot today 100%. a lot of the guys we talk with uh talk about today are true you have a certain amount of sample size that you can evaluate right and you have to trust that. It's really all you could work it's with. It's all I can. I got other guys that have bigger sample sizes where you go, yeah, they have more experience. I get that. But there's their deficiencies. More, but there's deficiencies. Yeah. Exactly right. And that's where, you know, you got to be uh, – that's where I got to make, you know, make my money and do my work there. So let's jump right into it. The top yeah. 40 quarterback countdown continues. The tier we start with today is buzzworthy backups. That's right. And we are on number 35, a player that has gotten some hype. At times, but also a victim of sample size. Hey, definitely. And that is? That is Mike White. Now with the Miami Dolphins, used to be with Connor's favorite team, the New York Jets, because we were all blinded by Mike White there for a while. <laughs> blinded his by play, White. Right? <laughs> and White, and as we started in with some of these guys, or this is Mike White's a guy that he's got some abilities and skills to where you go, he could be a starter in the NFL. You know, if he can continue to play and fix a few things, there's things to like about his game. You know, you know why that we know why the Jets liked him. And hey, Miami paid him a good little paycheck to come sure. down there and be a pretty damn good backup. Right. I mean, Mike White, one, he's bigger than people realize. Size is a skill. I don't think people realize that he's like a six four human being. Right. You know, there's that. His arm is live. I mean, he's got a real live arm. I mean, he can push the ball with ease. Now, you know, the negatives and why he's not a bona fide starter, well, he can push the ball and all that, but he can lose control of the football within pushing it as well. That would be something I would talk about as as a negative, right? So he has all the things to be good in the NFL. I think it's refining and and maybe just improving in a few little areas to see, to, to hope that maybe he could get one day to a point where teams can actually look at him and go, you know what? Well, we're going to ride with this guy as a starter. And, yeah, we know he's not a superstar, but we can win games with him. And I think the Jets had some some feelings of that with him. He's tough as hell in the pocket. You know that. Tough as hell to almost like where I said with the big arm, where he can lose control and his arm, his motion's a little long. So it can be, it can be a little long, deliberate, and what I always say floppy, which can make him, you know, miss a throw every now and then. But, again, it's not bad. I'm, I'm being nitpicky here. Tough as hell as you've seen him over the last two years. Yep. You're a Jets fan. Tough almost to a point of, hey, dude, that's too tough. Like, let's survive this game here. Let's not stand in there and just get, you know, Chris Sims spleen shots 20 times a game here. All right? And so he takes, he takes, he some takes huge some hits. massive hits. Massive hits. It's definitely something when you watch him back, you go, you got to improve that, man. You know, the, the, that, that toughness and grittiness is the reason maybe you're not a fringe starter right now and that you're clearly the backup because you didn't get to play and get more reps and show people more of what you can do, right? So it's a positive and negative there. But he does see the field well, right? He's a pretty damn good decision decision maker. He, from last year to this year, the one thing I liked was he was a more aggressive decision maker this year. 
right? Where last year you can speak to it, the Bengals game where he had the good stats, he had a few other games. Checkdowns. It was checkdowns. Yep. It was, and it was a lot of, you know, hey, it worked, and I get that. But there was, you know, some plays where I was like, well, okay, that guy's open down there. I know you took the checkdown. Okay, you got four or five. It's not a bad play, but there was more there to be had. I did feel like this year, whether it's the Bear game, the Viking game, and even the Bills game where he got hurt, where I went, no, there's a different mindset here this year. There was, and he was looking to strike. So I did like that. Uh, so that's why he's 35. He's a below-average athlete, I think, for a 2023 NFL quarterback. You'd agree with that, I right? I agree completely. And, he's and, a true that, pocket passer. A true pocket passer. He really is. He's not even the quickest guy in the world that way. Uh, but Mike White, hey, he's you know, damn, damn good backup quarterback and number 35 on this list. Yeah, made a massive jump in average depth of target to your point about actually taking some chances so he and did. pushing that's the ball. Good. Yeah, that's 2021, right. 6.4, jumped up to 8.0 yeah. in 2022. And you could see that. Uh, in the games that he got to start for the Jets this year, whether it was against, obviously, Chicago, who had a pretty weak defense at the time, but against yeah. Minnesota right. as well. Made so, some big throws. Made some really, really big throws. Right. Like you said, Sims, his ability to just hang in the – he will hang in the pocket all day. Yes. And it, he gets sawed in half because exactly. of it. He's got to go, you got to be a little bit like, hey, every yeah. now and we then, like, the chuck and duck, yeah. right? Or just get down and play the next play. Exactly right. So let's look at it from a Dolphins angle, yeah. right? Because this is, this is a big signing. I mean, not just the money. He got the two years, eight mil. I think there's another eight mil in incentives. Yes. About four and a half is guaranteed. So normal backup quarterback money, but he's backing up Tua. Yeah. Arguably the quarterback we look at and go, man, when things are right, things are right, but things could really fall apart at any moment because of injury. Is this a better backup situation than what they had in Teddy Bridgewater last year? I think so. Obviously, Skylar Thompson's still there, but White was signed to be the number two. Yeah, exactly right, and I I think so. I think he is. You know, one – you know, here's here's one thing, just a just common thought that jumps to me. The, the the Dolphins the last few years, and or at least last year for Mike McDaniel, they, they got to see Mike White on film and crossover film and yeah, stuff like that, bit. right? So I'm sure they were impressed that way or even studying the year before and the Jets and all that as well. Um, and, yes, I think with within Teddy Bridgewater, you know, again, Bridgewater hasn't – unbelievable injury history. So I, you don't want Mr. Glass to back up Mr. Glass. That's <laughs> yeah. what I always say, right? Yeah. Now, this guy's not, you know, terribly better. Uh, his is a little bit different of just taking a pounding and being too tough like we're talking about. But, yes, I think he is an upgrade from Teddy Bridgewater. You know, one, uh, I, I think his arm is much more explosive. And he is, like I said from last year, Teddy, to me, was always a little bit of a manager of the game and too quick to get the ball out of his hands and not stand in there and push the ball down the field and make the big throws and big moments. And I think Mike White has a, a little bit more of that DNA in him. One last thing on White. Yeah. His offensive coordinator the last two years, Michael Floor yeah. from the Shanahan tree with the 49ers. Right. Now he goes to play for Mike McDaniel yeah. from the Shanahan tree with the right. 49ers. Yeah. Do you think that makes his transition to Miami a little bit easier I as do. well? I do. Because this is the offense he's had his breakout in. Yes. Or similar offense. Similar offense. That's right. They Some got their wrinkles. own pizzazz. Yeah. But, yeah, it's going to be a lot of the same basics. And and that's what I was trying to say, like, with the film. And, yeah, the same team in your division wanted you as a backup quarterback. Plus, it's a coaching tree that they're talking to each other. Of course. Mike McDaniel didn't hear from the LaFleur brothers that Mike White sucks and is yeah. fucking up practice. And he's like, oh, yeah, I want to sign yeah. him up. <laughs> they were obviously have talked well about him behind the scenes, let alone Robert Sala and everybody else that Mike McDaniel knows. So um, I think it is a, a really good signing. And Mike White, if the Dolphins and Tua do get hurt, yeah, I don't think they'll lose a whole lot as far as their offense with him at quarterback. Continuing buzzworthy backups, yeah. number 34, who – 
We are not positive this player will start the year as a backup. We truly don't know. Right. It's a wait and see. Number 34 is Gardner Minshew, the Indianapolis Colts. And I would be shocked when all said and done. We talked about this a little through the draft process. I think Anthony Richardson will be the starter. I do. You know, he's a his his number one flaw is he hasn't played enough. So let's get him out and get him playing. Right. So that's just my thought there. But Minshew, I mean, got great natural feel for the position. He's really your perfect backup. He doesn't want. You know, he doesn't need a lot of reps to, like, hit the ground running. That's always what I've been very impressed with with Gardner Minshew. He's played a ton of quarterback, so he's got great feel, you know. He, he like Mike White, he sees the field even better than Mike White. He can really process it and go through reads in a hurry. He's, good, he's a very accurate thrower, especially in the short to intermediate game. Now, when you get downfield, yeah, he doesn't have a huge arm, right, you know, and you know, he moves well in the pocket and can do all that and be slick in a little bit that way. He's not a great athlete. Like, he's not going to turn the corner and run for a 20-yard run down the sideline, right? But, man, you know, Connor, when I break him down a little bit, you know, it is the timing, the anticipation. And here where he's shocking when you go back and watch him. He's really fucking good with people around him in the pocket, right? He's got this way of, like, Okay, wait, I'm looking to the left at the out route. It's not open. Now I'm getting back to the middle of the field where I have an in cut or a crosser, right? And he's got pressure in his face. And for a small guy, he stands in there and hangs on his back foot and throws the ball and, you know, really does a good job in those type of moments. That's it's very impressive. So a jump for Gardner Minshew. He was number 37 last year. Yeah. He jumps up to number 34. You've called him a natural before, yeah. Chris. And right. I think that kind of goes to what you said about just having the feel. Uh, he's as fearless as they come. Oh, this guy, this guy just not, does not he, care. He's not phased by needing to be called upon to start. No doubt. But is there a physical attribute that you see is a higher end attribute for him? Or is it just everything put together? I think it's everything put together. I think that's why... I don't know if he'll ever be a starter just right. because there is that not that higher end attribute to really latch on to, right? You know, like I was saying last year, listen, I, I think the world of Gardner Minshew. I really do. And I took a lot of crap because I was like, hey, the Eagles aren't going to fall off with Gardner Minshew. They're still going to be, like, damn good. And people kind of took that as, like, a shot of Jalen Hurts. And I was like, no, the Eagles are awesome, and this guy's better than you think. And he played – you know, week 16, his first game was at Dallas, and he threw over 355 yards. That, that's like, that's really hard to do. You haven't done shit the whole year, and now we're going to throw you in against Dallas, who's desperate right. and does a bunch of crazy shit on defense, maybe one of the better pass rushers in football, and we're going to ask you, and they don't even run the ball that well that day, and we're going to ask you to win the game. That, I think that tells you what they think of him as well. You know, it's, he can play. He's a player. But to your point, He's not going to make a ton of wow throws or, oh, my gosh, you know, we were struggling and he got us – he put us on his back and, you know, got us through some tough times or tough quarters. No, that's not what he's going to be, and that's why he's number 34. What are the chances you think that he ultimately does start week one? I know we've talked about how Richardson needs to play, and yeah. we're going to look at the Colts' schedule to try to outline that. But, yeah, cool. You know, they bring him in from a system with the coach that he's going to be comfortable in. Right. He's somebody that, once again, he, he seems very well at handling whatever's asked of him. If you need him to start, he'll start. If you need him to be the number two, he puts a smile on and says, I'll be the number two, but I'll compete like the number one. I mean, what are the odds with that? Do you think this is – to me, Chris, this feels like a situation where 
Nobody in the world knows. It's going to depend what Anthony Richardson looks like the first couple weeks in training camp, I think right? You, you hit it. I yeah. think you hit it. That's exactly right. Gard, I, I, we know Gardner's going to run practice well. He's going to look good. He's going to look good in the preseason. He's going to do a good job. That's what he always does, you know. And you know, hey, you know, maybe one of his best attributes when you were talking there, and I was thinking about it a little bit too, and and why he's is thirty four and maybe ahead of some of the other guys. He does bring a little pizzazz and leadership that I can say like some of the other guys don't. For a backup quarterback. He's got some, some shit about him 100%. where guys want to follow, right? And you could see that when he's on the field and how the team reacts to him and all that. But I, I think that, yeah, it, it's, it's Anthony Richardson's going to have to fail to not be the starter. That's how I look at it. And, and again, I have Anthony Richardson as my 36th quarterback because I think his transition will be easy because Sirianni knows how to use that type of quarterback. They're going to run him and do all that. And we talked about it. It simplifies the pass offense and all that. I, 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 I would be shocked if it's not right. Richardson. Oh, I'm saying, I'm saying like to your point, Richardson would have to play like crap in preseason game two and three and all that to where they go, oh, okay, whoa, we can't even put him out there. It's that scary. Let's go with Gardner Minshew. And you look at their schedule. I mean, it's just not a murderer's row out of the gate. Jacksonville's no. taking nice strides. Yeah. The Texans. You get the Texans. The Ravens' defense was very hot and cold as a whole. Very much. Last year. But you got the Rams at four. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 not the worst or murderer's row schedule to say, hey, let's start out a young quarterback here and just let him take his lumps. Right? And uh, we'll see. And, you know, and again, a lot of ways, this is where, again, I like Gardner Minshew, like, you, like you're hearing, but I think the team is set up more for Anthony Richardson and his offense anyways. I don't look at their team and go, oh, dropping back 40 times a game and Gardner Minshew picking you apart is what they're made to do. I look at it as hand it to John Taylor, keep it Anthony Richardson. Yep. Hand it to John Taylor, keep it again Anthony Richardson. Fake it to John Taylor. Oh, hey, there's Michael Pittman Jr. wide open down the field. And that fits Anthony Richardson in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. So Gardner Minshew uh, turned 27 years old this week. Happy belated birthday to Gardner Happy birthday. Minshew. Definitely a good option to at least have in the bullpen if Richardson's going to need a breather at That's some point exactly this right. year and an ideal team guy. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Moving over to number 33, this is another one of those players that fits in the 
not necessarily guaranteed to start out as the backup. Right. It does seem like it's trending that way. Right. But when you look at the contract, this is a player for the Atlanta Falcons in Taylor Heineke yes. at number 33 that, man, he might force his way to play because that's just what he does, right? Yeah, well, it is. He's he's the ultimate scrapper. He really – I mean, this, this is, is somebody that's come from a spring league yes. to make it into the NFL, this which is, is – This is the scrapper. This is moxie at its finest, right? Whatever you want to say. Okay, and yeah, I think he's better than the guy that they're deeming the starter. Right now, yes, uh, you know, I think Atlanta's playing the, we think Desmond Ritter has more potential and, you know, will be better at some point during the season. That's the angle they're playing. Right now, as it stands, there's no way I can sit here and tell you that I think Desmond Ritter is better than Taylor Heineke. No way. You know, just like Minshew, right? He's got a great feel for the game overall, you know, but, you know, unlike, Unlike Minshew, he's a better athlete. That's that's the biggest thing. When you watch it, and again, that's where watching them all close together this last time always kind of filters it out for me, right? Because I'm sitting there, I was sitting there watching Gardner Minshew, and I hadn't watched Heineke again yet, right? And I was going, man, am I wrong? Maybe Gardner should be the guy ahead of Heineke. And then I turned on Heineke, and I went, no, 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 I'm I'm right. It's it's Heineke. Heineke's Heineke. You know, natural feel for the game, like I said, definitely. Anticipation, all of that. He's a better athlete than Gardner Minshew. You know, Minshew's good in the pocket and can move there, but Heineke has the real ability to, like, not only move in the pocket, but get out of the pocket and be scary out that way, right? Whether it's a run or even throwing on the run, that's where he does separate himself a little bit. You know, got a clutch ability that is real, you know, and a little bit of that pizzazz and fire that people want to follow. You know, I think we all see that. I will say he's not as accurate as Gardner Minshew. That was one thing that came like, you know, my one problem with Heineke is he misses some 10 and 12-yard throws where I go, man, you, you can't fucking miss that. He's wide the fuck open. He will do that. But where he makes up for it is his arm is stronger than Gardner Minshew, and he makes more explosive throws and plays. And I think when you couple that together with all the other things I said and the playmaking ability, that's why I just have him a little bit edging uh, Gardner Minshew in this ranking. Heineke in the offseason signed a two-year, $14 million deal with the Falcons. About a little less than half of that is guaranteed, the $4 million signing bonus. So a good contract for him up front this year. Yeah to maybe compete. Right. I think, and I want your opinion on this, yeah. it feels like the Falcons are have been one foot in, one foot out with Desmond Ritter. Right. I did, they didn't draft him early, right. so they, that's fair. Yeah. But they did wait a long time to go to him last year. Yeah. And then they did make one of the most proactive moves in the backup quarterback market this offseason where they're saying Ritter's going to have his chance, but we're also not just having no one behind him. We're having someone behind him. They're that protecting themselves. If, they are protecting themselves yeah. where if we need somebody to play – in a division that with the, the Falcons have operated with urgency this offseason. We've talked about this. And then one of the teams that won the offseason to me. They spent money on defense, right. good money on defense. Right. I mean, they got Calais Campbell to go there. I know. That should tell you where they think they I are. Know. The division stinks right, right now. Right. They drafted B. John Robinson in the top ten. Right. That the to me line is damn good. I it, mean. If they start out slow with Ritter, it feels like the hook comes for and they bring in Heineke really quickly in my opinion I don't because they should be winning this year I don't I don't disagree with that at all the Falcons are definitely the team that you know and and I've said this on the last few podcasts that I have a star next year to go team that didn't make the playoffs last year that could make it this year is definitely them you know you said all the things they did on defense AJ Terrell's going to be healthy they got Bud Dupree you know 
You know, we, we drafting Bergeron even in the second right. round, or you know, the guard from Syracuse, tackle wherever the hell they you want to use them. Uh, I, I'm with you all the way, and I think that's why they've spent a little bit more money, you know, on the backup quarterback position to protect themselves that way. I don't think they're a team that wants to make it all about the quarterback. You know, one thing I say is they want to replicate. I think Arthur Smith and what he had in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill and the Titans, and when they went to the AFC Championship game, I think they're perfectly comfortable playing that style of football. You know, and uh, yeah, this guy also is the type of backup. Yeah, protects you, but pushes your starter. Your starter didn't know I got to be on my shit. This guy's gonna be, you know, he's gonna bring it every day. He's done it multiple. He's times. He's done it multiple yeah. times. But um, you know, where Heineke. Now you watch him too. He's got. He's creative with his releases. He really is. That's the one thing when I went back and watched. Man, he's great at stepping up in the pocket, sidearm running, trying to get out of trouble, throwing a ball. You know, in an awkward position, whatever. He's really good at that. It's another area he had an advantage of. You know, over a Gardner Minshew, right? You know, his size is a problem at times. His size and the fact that he can move, it does end up a lot of plays where I go. The pocket was kind of collapsing, but you didn't have to get out. But you did because you can't see and you're a little smaller and this is the way you're comfortable. And to me, like, you know, he might find a completion or whatever else. But you know me. I'm like, ah, that's kind of a negative. He needs to just stand in there and hit the guy 20 yards over the middle here. And, you know, those are sometimes where his size and athletic ability come back to bite him in the butt a little bit. But, yeah, I think that's going to be a nice little challenge, him and Desmond Ritter down there. One last one on Heineke because this is a good – uh, film and eye test versus what the analytics say. Right. PFF, he only had six interceptions in nine games last year, but yeah. PFF did have him with the highest turnover-worthy play percentage, oh, 6.2% on Shamrock his Shamrock up his ass he got, last okay. year. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have to say that he yeah. get a little lucky. <laughs> and you see the names he's with. I yeah. mean, these are guys that take chances or make bad decisions or sometimes both, and Heineke had the highest turnover-worthy play rate. But on the flip side, a guy like Drake London, and if they use Kyle Pitts the right way, they can also get you out of some of those that, bad throw situations. No, no doubt about it. Those are the type of guys, yeah, you know, you throw it up to. They're going to go get it. But, yeah, he's and, – and that's where I get into the accuracy thing, right? That's where I – it's like when you do watch it, you just go, damn, to be a starter, you miss a few too many throws where I go, man, you, you guys probably should be up like eight or ten here, right? Uh, but instead we're we're going to – wait for you to be clutch on the last drive here because you missed some of the plays in the third and fourth quarter, and now you're going to be clutch, and we're all going to go, oh, man, he's amazing, right? <laughs> and But that's also why Team Washington has moved on from him and stuff like that because you start to realize, yeah, consistently there's some plays left on the table at times, and, and that's what bothers you, at least when he's your starting quarterback. All right, our last one. Number 32 is the last quarterback in the buzzworthy backups tier this one might actually think might surprise people. I think so, too. So I'm excited for you to reveal number 32. Yep, Jared Stidham, backup quarterback, Denver Broncos, right? You know, the first thing I want to say is like, you know, and you've kind of done a great job of buttoning some of these things up, and I'm sure you have maybe some of the contract numbers and all of that, right? Um, Sean Payton, last time I checked, he's a pretty good quarterback guy. Just, just going on a whim here, right? And what did he give... Uh, Jared Stidham as far as money to be the backup quarterback in Denver. Stidham up front, right. uh, I believe, has he, – he got a $10 million contract. The base salary is about 6.5, and then the guarantees are around about, I would say, half of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's good, that's good quarterback better money contract, in very short order. Better contract than Heineke, In right? very short order, yeah. the money up front is pretty good for Jared Stidham. Yeah, here. Jared Stidham has NFL starting quarterback traits. 
like a lot of them, a lot of them. His only thing is, is that not everybody's seen it and he hasn't got to play a lot, right? I've always been a Jared Stidham fan, you know. I think he, New England liked him. He got a little unlucky with injuries and things like that and didn't get to put his best foot forward there for a number of years. But there's a reason when Josh McDaniel got that job out there with the Raiders and got Jared Stidham right away, right? Because he went, wait, wait, I, I know Stidham. He, he can play a little bit. Stidham, another guy like Mike White where I'd go, he's bigger than you think, right? And he has an NFL power-type arm, right? Okay, it's not Mahomes or Josh Allen, but Jared Stidham's arm is better than Kirk Cousins. It's better than some of the quarterbacks we'll, we'll, we'll dive into, you know, in the mid-15, 16, 17. I mean, his arm is legit. And his ability to process and read the field is damn good, too. And then the other thing I'll throw on to that is the athleticism is much better than people realize. He's a good athlete. He's a and very he was in good. college. He yeah. was, right. Like, in college, I know I was working at Bleacher Report yep. at that time where – I remember coming out and going, you know, Stidham reminds me of, like, Tony Romo with the way he moves and slides right. and does all that. And, I mean, you know, again, I know we haven't got to see him a ton other than preseason and a little at the end of the year last year, but go back and watch those games, and you'll go, oh, man, Stidham runs more than I thought. Stidham, Stidham moves in the pocket and makes people miss more than you think. And he's a pretty dead-eye, you know, bullseye thrower as far as that's concerned. I really am a, I'm a fan of Jared Stidham. And – I think he's, you know, every bit as good as seeing the field and making decisions as Gardner Minshew and Taylor Heineke. And then he has way, and he has, I don't want to say way more, but more talent than them. He just, not everybody's gotten to see it because he hasn't got to play, and that's why I'm here to do this list. And you could argue yeah. the two, he got week 17 against the Niners, which is a great game, yes. and week 18 against the Chiefs. You could argue that two-game stretch got him this two-year $10 million contract. Definitely. Because if he never plays... He's not looking at a better contract than what Mike White got. No, no, probably not. That that contract, see, Lure, like Sean Payton probably still would have wanted him, but that those last two games drove up the price. Yeah, it's for like sure. one year three and a half million versus two years. Exactly. 10. It's yeah. like oh, I showed a little bit. There's a market yeah. for me now. Yeah, so now you got to pay me. You can't just like go on. Oh, you know, I, I know because I talked to Josh McDaniels and New England coaches, and I've seen the preseason, and I liked him when he was coming out of college, right? So he was probably yeah hoping he could sneak that into his roster, but Sidham had other plans. And then here, here's the other thing, too. You know, like I said, the borderline power arm, he's got sneaky quick release. You know, it, the more I watched, the more I went, man, when he wants to get the ball out of his hands, he can really do it quickly, right? And then, you know, has that ability where, you know, I kind of talked about with, um, like, Gardner Minshew, throwing off the back foot, more throws – that are impressive with people around him and under pressure than maybe I even gave him credit for. You know, where it's, oh, there's Devontae Adams on a 20-yard crosser and people are around him and he's kind of have his feet cockeyed, but he sees them open and he just turns his shoulders and throws it out there. He does a lot of that stuff. He's got very good mechanics, uh, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Jared Stidham. If he gets, in the, gets on the field, let's have the conversation. This, this, this is one that could be interesting. He is going to be a hot poker up Russell Wilson's ass this year. If Russ isn't better mm -hmm. than what we saw last year. Right. And, and I think, I mean, the way Sean Payton has talked publicly about some of the things that went on with Russ last it's, year. It's shocking. The patience, it is shocking. Yeah. The patience level seems that it's at a very low bar right yeah. now. 
I mean, is there a chance that we could see Jarrett Stidham this year? I mean, if Russell looks the way he did last year and has a four or five game stretch like he did last year, I mean, again, Russell was really bad last year. It's it's shockingly bad. Hey, look at the schedule up here. I mean, it's it's easy out of the gate, but obviously when you're in this division, you're going to run into the gauntlet eventually. Exactly. No, listen, they're going to give Russell every shot here. I mean, we we know that they paid too much money. He's he's the guy. But this is like if you falter or get hurt, this is the guy that can make life yeah interesting and make you know life fun for guys like you and me who talk about it all the time. Because Stidham is well-schooled. He knows how to read defenses, execute an offense. There's a reason New England, again, and Josh McDaniels liked him. And there's a reason Sean Payton likes him, because he knows all those things, too. He knows it. That's why he spent that money on the guy. And he'll be able to run that. You know, The one thing we don't know about Russell is, can he really run a system? Right. You know, it's a little bit system, and then I want to be backyard Russell, and it's like and that drove oh, Seattle nuts, didn't it? It, it drove it, Seattle nuts. Quietly, it felt like it drove them. Pretty it drove crazy. them nuts. Now he got it done, but I think we're getting getting to a point in his career where the rubber meets the road, and I don't think the backyard stuff's going to work all the time. Right. So you got to start working the system and being a machine in the pocket and throwing, and you know, okay, this is a tight window, but I got to throw it in there. You don't have the luxury of I'm going to, you know, buy some more time in the pocket and wait for somebody to be more open. Right. Stidham's going to be like. You know, Brady, Garoppolo-like, and just be like, well, one, two, three. Yep. Oh, you told me to check to this. I'm on it. Oh, you said if this guy does this to throw the ball in the 20-yard route right and the over-under there, okay, I'm going to do it. And he's going to be really good, and he's going to impress Sean Payton with that stuff. So this is definitely, you know, I don't want to say anything to watch for a quarterback controversy, but if there was something to happen – I think this is a guy that can make things very interesting. It'll be fascinating to watch yeah. Denver, who, with Sean Payton, I mean, I'm not going to say there's going to be an overwhelming amount of urgency to win year one, but I also think he's made a lot of moves for that offense in the offseason that he's going to want to do things his way. He wants to way. get it going. It's he, his way. Right. His way, you know, I think the first impression is, you know, extremely important to, you know, all coaches, but especially a guy like Sean Payton who knows he's, you know, making big money. I'm a Super Bowl caliber type of coach. He wants to set the narrative right now, this year. Kind of what he did in New Orleans. What they do the first year in New Orleans? Went to the NFC Championship game, lost to the Bears. So, yeah, he made some drastic moves to get that team back on track. But like you said, it's the AFC West, and there's a gauntlet there that you got to deal with. All right, our final quarterback for today. Oh. First solo player tier. Yeah. This player. He deserves his own tier. He deserves his own tier. Boy, does he need one. The tier is, what is love? Baby, don't hurt That's me. That's right. Pretty obvious who number 31 <laughs> is. That is Jordan Love. Chris, maybe from my outside view looking in on your process, yeah. I would think this is the hardest player to rank. This is this is definitely up there. And, and I will say, you know, Jordan Love and Gar- – I mean, not, not Gardner Minshew, but the, the Heineke, you know, uh, Jared Stidham. It was very close. It really was. But Jordan Love – you know, one, I'm I'm a believer in his ability, I guess. That's probably maybe where I got him, I don't know, higher than most or whatever. But here's what I'll take from, you know, preseason, the game against Philadelphia, a few other snaps here and there, right? And even going back to two years ago when Rodgers had COVID, right, and had to miss the Chiefs game and all that. You know, one, there were some good signs then. Right, but where it changed this year, where you see preseason one is you right away could see there's a more 
of a comfort zone and knowing the offense and knowing where to go with the ball, where he made decisions quick and did it right away. And then when you watch the Eagles game to go in in that situation where he was, I mean, he made some great decisions, seamless. And then his arm is special. You know, again, I'm not going to say it's like Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, but damn, it's really, it's really damn good. Like when Jordan Love gets all of it and rips it, it moves through the air. And he has some throws that, you know, maybe were incomplete in the Eagles game and some other games where you go, ooh, wow. And then some of them are on the money and it's just in the tight coverage and somebody knocks it down or whatever. And you go, whoa. There's none of the other guys on the nine that I just, you know, the nine before this that can make that throw. You know, maybe some of the rookies can, but we haven't seen them yet, right? None of the other guys who have been in the NFL can make that throw. Um, he's improved his mechanics. He's comfortable in the offense. He's a good athlete. He's got very good size to see up over the line or throw through lanes. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Jordan Love's going to open up some eyes this year. So this is Love's first appearance in the Sims Top 40. Yeah. Comes in at number 31. We have a question from Steve Brousseau. Cool. He said, can you revisit your scouting report on Jordan Love? What are your expectations for him in his first full year as a starter? Yeah. For a little context, Sims, in 2020, he was number four in your quarterback draft ranks, initially number three. Yeah. But then you ultimately moved to a ahead of him. I so did. what did you see in Love that year as a prospect? I think where I got a little maybe carried away, and I've told this story in the pod. That I, I mean, I love some of the high-end stuff he does. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you remember when he oh, was yeah. coming out, we, we were all going, wait, he does some Mahomes and Roger stuff, That right? was the that thing. Was the thing yep he would make a few throws every game where you'd go whoa whoa holy shit there's only a few guys there's on the planet that could guys do that, that, could that, do that. exactly yep. right oh you're going and there's not many people in the draft here that can do that throw right there right now where i, I can still remember the phone call of my dad where he's you know here, here, are you sure you want to put him in you know i mean you know think about the whole game now i mean he's really <laughs> raw he's missing some he misses some throws that you and i would go how can you miss that throw and i went you're right dad i'm being a little too bullish on the high-end stuff and yes the some of the erratic throws because at that time too he let his arm get too long so he's tightened that up i mean there are some throws in college where i mean his arm is down like he's a pitcher in baseball and it's just too hard to make it all work and match up to throw a really awesome, accurate football or spin it the right way that way. Right. He's cleaned those things up. You know, he's really watched Rodgers in a lot of way. I mean, you watch his mechanics. There's sometimes where you're like, hey, you don't have to be exactly like Rodgers. Be Jordan Love. Yeah. Like, you don't have to have bulk feet off the ground and doing some of that, right? But he's getting to the point where he can do it. He can do it, and you see it, and you go, ooh, wow. But, yeah, it was the decision-making and just the little bit of the rawness and the throwing, I think, that – uh, made me drop him that I was concerned about. But, you know, that high-end stuff he did. And even, again, go back to the Philly game, watch some of those throws. Watch the throw. Oh, it was the Philly game. The right sideline, he makes a throw to Aaron Jones in the third or early fourth quarter. I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, it's a whole shot in a cover, too. I mean, it's an unbelievable throw into a tight window, and, and Aaron Jones should have caught it. But it was like bang, bang, and he got hit as soon as he caught it, and the ball got knocked out, and it was an incomplete pass. But – he has some things there where I think Jordan Love's going to show some people this year. I think the Packers are going to be revived 
because of Jordan Love, no Aaron Rodgers, some new voices in the locker room, them wanting to shove it up all our asses, right, to go, we're going to still be good, or you're not going to be good because Aaron Rodgers is in there. I think that energy is going to motivate this football team. And it probably allows LaFleur to maybe implement even more of what he wants to to a younger quarterback that's going to defer to Do him, Do his right? thing. Right, right. I mean, and th- yes, exactly right. And Rodgers justifiably earned exactly. the ability to do what he wants. Exactly. But it does let an offensive coach kind of go, okay, this is what I this really want to be. This is how I want to play. Yeah. Yes, right. It, it was in a tough situation. This little LaFleur didn't never got enough credit. The fact that he, you know, was able to be personable and adjust his coaching style for Aaron Rodgers, I, I think showed the greatness in Matt LaFleur and the fact that, okay, right, I don't really necessarily agree with all this, but damn, this guy's really good. And yeah, he can get us out of some bad plays at the line of scrimmage and get us in the right plays and do all that. And he trusted his players that way. But yeah, this brings it back more to what LaFleur wants to do and the vision he sees on the offensive side of the ball. Obviously, a good start will be monumental for Jordan Love as his first year as the starter as we take a look at the Packers' 2023 schedule out of the gate. This is a division that is absolutely up for grabs. Definitely. The Lions have been the favorite now, right. the betting favorite. Right. But you look at they open against the Bears. Yeah. Then they have the Falcons, who are going to be much improved. Right. Saints, and then kind of a statement game there on Thursday Night Football against the Lions. So do you think this is uh, built for Jordan Love to build some momentum in that first quarter of the season? I do. I, I really do. And, you know, again, like uh, we talked about the Saints. The Saints, I mean, their D is going to be good. The Falcons, like we talked about, we expect them to be better. Much improved. Right? But these are teams, too, that, yeah, they could be finding their way still there. They're not going to be hitting on all cylinders. They're going to be playing Desmond Ritter. I can't imagine that their offense is just hitting on all cylinders. No playoff team until week eight. And that's the Vikings, who were viewed as the luckiest team in the NFL last year by many. And the Lions are going to be a team that's for the first time dealing with, like, whoa, pressure and big time. And, whoa, yeah, Yeah. we can't just go out there and do whatever we want. You know, where I look at it from Green Bay's standpoint to go, Green Bay out of those teams right there, they're going to go, no, we, we're, we're ready for ball. We've, we've been playing in NFC championships and the playoffs and a lot of big games there in Rodgers, so we're not scared of any of these teams or this matchup right here. And, yeah, the Bears, that defense, it'll be improved, but they know it. You know, I, I, would think, I do think it sets up pretty well for him to get off to a good start. And, again, I think the Packers are going to be better than people realize uh, in, in the NFL. With you saying that, you might be surprised by the BetMGM odds huh. for the Packers this year. And I, I want to ask what your favorite bet is, because this is pretty shocking. They have their over-under win total set at just 7.5. They to make the playoffs at plus 165, so kind of a big underdog there to make the playoffs. And then to win the NFC North is plus 400. They're not even being factored in to win this division next year that is last by the way the Lions are the favorite they are last in the division projected to win it I'd get on that bet right I definitely would you know I I just I don't see that I I think you're looking at a roster here and a team that just you know had a lot of going on last year you know whether it was Rodgers and his kerfuffle with the team there's no Devontae Adams finding that you know Christian Watson was hurt you know, they underperformed in the playoffs in their eyes the three years before that. They might have been worn out from those long, you know, those runs into the playoffs, all that. There's a lot that goes into that. I, 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 whew, I would bet money on that for sure. Like, again, like we talked about Atlanta to be that team that maybe didn't go to the playoffs to get in the playoffs where I'd go, hey, if I have some extra cash, that'd be one I'd throw on there too. This would be another one where you talk about value, making the playoffs, everything like that, making the playoffs in a, in a conference where – it's hard to find four really good teams. There's only three of them right now. 
And I go, are we going to just go rosters here? Like after Niners, Eagles, Cowboys, I think if we get into complete rosters in the NFC, the next group down, you start to talk about Green Bay, okay, Detroit, Seattle, right? Absolutely. I mean, those are the next group of teams, I think, that you start to go, those are the, the, the most impressive rosters outside of those top three. I don't know. Is there anybody else I'm, you're missing there? Or Washington's getting up there. They're, yeah. their team is they're a wild card because a quarterback. Exactly. Again, right. Which is always the, but the f- tricky factor. Man, that's where I'm shocked by that low number it's there. It's pretty disrespectful to Matt LaFleur. It is. That number. It, that's it's, where, it's basically saying that like none of what you've done has mattered. It's only happened because of Aaron Rodgers. I, and Aaron Rodgers is great. You're yes. not going to find two people that are higher on Aaron Rodgers no doubt. than us. No doubt. But it's, that's a pretty disrespectful line to what LaFleur's I, done. I, I think, again, that's where I think the betting world is, you know, Misevaluating their roster a little bit, misevaluating the human aspect. The human aspect of all the things you just said. It, it, it's disrespectful to Jordan Love. Those defenders are looking at it and going, "What the fuck?" I mean, yep. we you know I, we had a bad year and we were the eleventh ranked defense in football. We're gonna you know I just I would expect them to be better there. They know they don't got Aaron Rodgers. I bet you that run game is going to be even more of an emphasis. The O line's going to take the challenge on you know. And then there's some ways to me where I go, I don't know. You know, Rodgers and some of my complaints in there and just being a little protective and not aggressive anymore, them running the ball, this guy taking shots down the field, you know, there's some aspects where I go, they could be, you know, maybe even a little more dangerous than we realize with Jordan Love at quarterback. All right, that wraps up today's uh, quarterback rankings. We are going to get to an Ask Me Anything, of course. But before we do, the action never stops at BetMGM. Sign up now using bonus code SIMS, and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. So say you bet $100 on that disrespected Matt (laughs) LaFleur to win Coach of the Year. If you win, you get $2,000, but if you lose, you still get $100 worth of free bets. Simply download the BetMGM app today or go to BetMGM.com and enter Bonus code SIMS to make your first wager risk-free up to $1,000. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Our little Ask Me Anything right now here, Sims, as we recap the countdown so far. As you guys started the show earlier in the week with right. Ahmed, number 40 was Desmond Ritter, 39 is Sam Howell, 
Now we get a rookie run here. 38, Bryce Young, the first overall pick in the NFL draft. 37, your top quarterback in this year's draft and C.J. Stroud. 36, Anthony Richardson. And then where we started today, the buzzworthy backups tier. Mike White, Gardner Minshew, Taylor Heineke round out 35 down to 33. And Jarrett Stidham as well in there at 32. And then a man in his own tier. What is love? Jordan Baby, Love heard me. at 31. Don't so hurt me. The people, of course, are chatting. Yes. We got some questions from cool. this show earlier in the week. This is from Kings of South Pod on Desmond Ritter. Just finished Monday's pod and had a question about Desmond Ritter. Hearing you say he hasn't shown enough yet to warrant a higher ranking is reminiscent of your early views on Jalen Hurts. Do you see Ritter having a similar trajectory as Hurts? I, I mean, I could see some of that for sure. You know, one, I don't think they're going to play a style of football that's totally like on the quarterback's shoulders, right? We know they're going to run the football, and they, they want to manage the game a little bit that way. And then the Eagles, you know, do do that. I'm not, that's not a disrespectful thing. That's, that's fine. That's what they're good at. I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything like disrespectful there. You know, I think Hurts, Hurts, where Desmond, this is where I, I think I was maybe a hair disappointed with Desmond. Desmond Ritter doesn't run as well as I thought he would, right? That would be what I would take away, even from the preseason and into the pros. Like, I don't think he's going to be a great scrambler. Now, I think he can rip off some runs. once he, He's an he's a open-up guy once he starts to get going, right? Hertz is a gifted runner. Hertz can get up to top speed in two or three steps, right? And he can make people miss, and he's got strength and power to move a pile. Ritter is a build-up speed guy to where, yes, if they get the run game going and he gets to keep the ball around the edge on a read option, he, he might be able to rip off a 60-yard run because once he get, opens up, he's pretty good. But it takes him a little bit to get going that way. I would say similar to that. But I'm not sure if I see maybe even the high-end aspect of Jalen Hurts. i got to see a little, a little bit more. Hurts, you know, again, two years ago when he got to play at the end of the season – I was like, oh, man, I got I to see more. That, that's what I think what he's just saying, too. Last year, yeah, I had him low. I know. I had him in, like, 25 or 6 or somewhere right in that range. You know, but, again, I still was having questions. You know, again, the year that year they went into uh, – they, they had to change the offense in the middle of the year. They finally gave up on trying to throw the football on a consistent basis, went into the running game, and then, of course, played a playoff game where – the number one flaw on the team was the quarterback throwing the ball. So I had a, it was hard for me to put him much higher than that. He answered the questions and shoved it up my ass this year, okay? <laughs> uh, I don't know if Desmond Ritter has quite that talent that Jalen Hurts does. I think that's the problem. Yeah. This is, you know, and it's a good question, but it's also kind of looking at the, the premium example that jump Hurts made Yeah, is that you can make that jump when you also have the running element. And, and Ritter just naturally doesn't have that I don't think kind of so. running element. Right. Not hurts. I think it's being overrated a little bit. When I, I hear so people too. talk about Ritter, I, uh, I think you're, all, you're taking a little bit of a, a privilege with some of the comments I hear about his running. All right, so a question about Sam Howell, who was number 39. This is from Jeremy Min Burns. He said, don't hate, ameliorate. <laughs> Psyched to see Sam Howell make the top 40, especially since he's essentially an unknown quantity. However, if everything breaks right for the kid with Biennemi, what's his ceiling look like for the season and on next year's top 40? I know I I listened to the show, and I know you said that Howell's arm strength is is kind of surprising. Right. I think when you look at the frame and the kind of player he is, sometimes he'll make throws. You're like, oh, I didn't didn't know he had that in him. Exactly right. You know, where does that kind of give him in terms of ceiling wise? Yeah, you know, I think he's he's got a good feel in the pocket. He's tough, right? 
even though he's not as fast as Desmond Ritter, he's quicker. Yeah, he can run a little he bit. He can, yeah. and he can get up to top speed quicker. So he's got a little more acceleration to where there's, and in a lot of ways I'd go, yeah, he's a more effective runner scrambler actually than Desmond Ritter. And his, his mechanics and motion are weird. You know, he doesn't, you know, you've heard me enough with throwing and turning your front shoulder and creating opposites. He never really gets his shoulder to the top, the, 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 uh, the target. He kind of stays open and has his chest do it. He just kind of arms it there a little bit. So that doesn't always allow him to throw the ball great off his back foot. Or he doesn't really have a sidearm delivery or anything like that. But like you said, it's a sneaky strong arm. And he controls the ball really damn well, even though there's some mechanical flaws. Where he's not, a, he's not scared to, oh, there's a 20-yard crosser. It's a tight window. I can fit it in there. I think he's the kind of guy that, like, talent, aggressive decision maker, you know, the scrambling ability, he could get up to 18, 19, 20 for sure. I don't know. I mean, damn it. I, if he gets in this offense, he starts showing, showing me, whoa, he can throw 40-yard bombs on the money consistently. Shit, maybe he'll go higher than that. You know. But I like the offense he's in that fits him too, and it should give him some opportunities to make some big plays and show us what he's got. It's amazing how everybody forgets that year, his final college season, yeah. that summer, right. he was in the first round of every mock draft ring, top 15. I know. And UNC lost a lot of talent. Yep. I think he was banged up that year. He right. didn't play his best football. Yeah, he didn't play he his best football. He played better the year before that. Yeah, right. And then falls off a cliff in the draft. I know. Not even like a lot of quarterbacks like Will Levis. Will Levis had a down year this year. He was better two years ago. He still went in the top 40. I know. Sam Howell fell off the face of the earth I know. in the draft. More times than not, and this is a weird thing. I, I don't know if I really understand it, where it's like if you're not viewed as like a top 10 pick, you almost always go to the third round. Like there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. It was like Jalen Hurts is the only one. Right, right. Levis was, you know, valued sure. as a top first round type of pick. It's it's weird though. The second round quarterback. You go back through recent history here. There's very few of them where it's actually. Well, you're like, oh damn, he was second round. It's like once it's not drafted in the first round. I don't know really what happens. It's like teams just go, we well, got other needs. We got to do, obviously not everybody valued them the same way as high as we think. So we'll just see where it goes. And usually there ends up being that run. Like you're talking about in the third and fourth round where they start to go off the board again. I, I can't really put my head around that one. I don't, I don't know. That's a weird one to me always. A good question from Jeremy Min Burns, yeah. though, on how he will be an interesting player to yep. watch this year. The next one is from Athletic Decline. This is on Anthony Richardson. He said, is Richardson's upside that high to put him over the other rookies? Or is it based on the situation? Yeah, good good question, at, at athletic decline. I could tell you Richardson's on the incline, okay, as far as his athletic ability here. But, no, I'm not into the total upside, right? This is not a projection for two or three years or four years down the road. This is about right now and, yes, the situation right now. And I think because of that offense, you know, his skill set, his skill set, and, again, if it was – my pecking order or whatever else, right? Why he's ahead of them is because if I'm I'm the offensive coordinator, right? It's my 40-man depth chart. Uh, right away, I can go with Anthony Richardson and go, oh, wait, there's some things here I can do with him that I know I can make work right away. So that's why he's got the advantage right away. Where Stroud and Young are going to have to be more about, you know, the processing, and i got to read coverages, and my game is going to be within the pocket and throwing and doing all that, which there's more of an adjustment. So that's really why Richardson's ahead of them right now. It's not a projection about what I think two, three years down the road. Is there some of that this year with Richardson that we saw in year two with Fields that 
when all else fails, you can lean on that run game. I think they're like, going to just constantly like right. power running in the red zone or just scr- pure scrambling. Right, it's, it's just it's, all there. It, it's all there with and, Jonathan Taylor next to him, as you said. That's a little yeah, different. I know. Yeah, that right? changes the game. And and it's like it's it's not even that they just like we saw with Chicago. First off, we, we were all like, is Chicago ever going to run the fucking ball with the guy that runs four three? Are they ever going to do it? And then all of a sudden, on a Monday night against New England, they did it, and we were and like, all they ever did Holy again. cow! Yeah, yeah. They're a different team now. They're in every game, like, and you know, they're not a pushover. It changed everything. They're going to do that from the get-go. And, you know, it's one of those things, Connor, that you know, football people know, whatever. It's not that you don't have to do it 20 times a game. Once you do it two or three times, the defensive coordinator is like, oh, shit, they can do that. Yeah, the threat's So i got to protect it right. you know, every time they get in that formation, right? And that's all they need to do. So they don't have to kill him, uh, but it's going to be there. And, and like I said, I think that provides him the flexibility to adjust and, and learn on the fly. This next one is from Ringo N04. It seems like some quarterbacks take a team-friendly deal to build up the rest of the team, Brady and Mahomes. Are these exceptions, or are guys like Burrow and Herbert, et cetera, going to follow suit? Burrow's comments make me think they might. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's actually hear from Burrow yeah, cool. as well. Burrow did have an interesting quote on this. You know, I'm involved. That's you know, it's in the works. That's uh, not really something that... I like to play out in, in, in the media. That's something just the way I think they want to do business, I want to do business. We prefer to keep that between us. You know, whenever you have guys on the team that, that need to be paid, that's always on your mind. You want that to, to be a focal point, and so we're, we're working to, to make that happen. You know, I'm pretty clear on, on what I want in, in, in the contract and, and what you know, I think is best for, for myself and the team. And so, you know, we're... We're on the road to making that happen. You got to have good players. You, know, you can't. You see, I mean, it doesn't matter how good good your quarterback is if you don't have good players around them. You're not going to be a very good team. We know the Bengals have a pending negotiation coming up with T. Higgins, which is probably something that he's alluding to a little bit in there. I think Burrow knows as long as he has T. Higgins and Jamar Chase around him, he's going to be in a good place. Right. I'm not convinced he's a guy that'll chase every last top dollar right I'm, now, I'm and he'll you. still be very comfortably paid. Yeah, I'm I'm exactly right. I, I you know, Brady Mahomes, Josh Allen, Rodgers, Jalen Hurts. I, I I think they're a group of guys that, you know, like you and me. They're just going to go is my life going to be different if I have 290 million in the bank compared to 250 million in the bank? Is it really going to matter, right? I mean, is it really? I know that's a ton of money. I get it, but when you have a shitload of money, it's not a ton of money. And then, you know, I think they're also the guys that they're, they're legacy believers. These guys are, they want to be all time greats. No doubt. They want to be the greatest and okay. So you have to sacrifice that a little. And then also, you know, I think what you, you, you realize too, on the way too is like, you know, you do those things, man, like Patrick Mahomes can make as much money as he wants in a given off season right now. If he literally, if he just goes to his agent, Hey, I want to push it this year and really get me in a lot of commercial. He, he can make $40 million in an off season. He, he definitely could. So that's the other benefit they have, too, when you're on a good team and you're on TV every year for seven months and in January when you're a standalone game and all that. So I, I'm with you. I, I think it, he's probably going to break the record of some sort for what he gets paid per year. But I think overall, he's too smart. He knows what has done it for him right now. College, what he had there. 
I, I just would be shocked if he does something that breaks the camel's back here. You know, it's a, and they got a special thing going. They got the three amigos here right now. And I think, you know, they damn, want to stay that, that way. I would think they all want to make it stay that way. And Burrow's contract, of course, is the first thing that needs to get done to get it all figured out. And if you get it done now and it's extra, like Mahomes was the term, it's a long, long deal. With the TV money in the NFL, this salary cap jumps up like no other league. Yeah. It explodes. It explodes. Where you, you can That's look where at it. I mean, right? Mahomes' contract is so – it's already so outdated. It's hilariously the underpaid. Team, the team's embarrassed Yes. Now. They are actually starting to be embarrassed. Like, okay, yeah. They're, they raise their hand to say, we're going to do we're something. We're going to make it look different. Yeah. So it's not – you don't have, you know, certain names ahead of him. Exactly right. Embarrassing is the good the, word The for big it. thing with this whole thing to me – I mean, Burrow, we know he's going to get done. How much is it going to be? Jamar Chase is going to get done. It's the Higgins fact. That's the one that's iffy. That that, and he is to me the most confusing one. You know, Burrow's a top five quarterback. You know, Jamar Chase is a top five receiver. Higgins is a number one receiver on a lot of teams, but he ain't going to be number one in Cincinnati with that guy there. So, he's a top twenty receiver in the NFL. Chris Godwin's making twenty million dollars a year. I mean, T. Higgins is better than Chris Godwin today, tomorrow, you know, next week, whatever, right? So Brandon Cooks is making 18-something. I'm taking T. Higgins over him. So that's where what's the sweet spot to pay T. Higgins the right price? I think that's the most complicated thing in this conversation. I'm with you because yeah. there's a lot of teams that will gladly pay T. Higgins number one wide receiver right. money, but T. Higgins probably also has the understanding of, I love playing with Joe Burrow, right. who wouldn't. Right. I love playing with Jamar Chase, who wouldn't. Exactly. So I need to get mine. But maybe also, I it's not a hometown discount. Yeah. But it's not chasing every yeah, last. Like not you putting said. their feet over the fire for every last cent I can get and making things so uncomfortable and miserable right. that, yes, it is. And, you know, I mean, hey, Mike, like him or Mike Williams, right? I'd take T. Higgins. I don't think it's close right, right now. And Mike Williams is health. making like 18 or $19 million a year, too. So that's, you know, the receiver market's a little crazy. I would say, like, Debo Samuel's at $23 million a year, somewhere just north of that. I think that's probably where... He's in that range, you know, maybe a smidgen down from there, um, but, but somewhere there. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, our next one is from Plug and Play 16. He says, hey, CNC, I think the Jets trading for Rodgers could be the best thing to happen to Zach Wilson and his development. Curious on both your thoughts since Connor is a Jets fan and Chris, you demand. Thanks, fellas. Oh, that's nice of you. Thanks, Plug and Play 16. CNC, I like the ring of that. That's pretty good. It is good. Um, I, 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 have, I have been saying this. I think this is one of the reasons they were so all in on Rodgers. And nothing else. And not, like. they, yeah. Because I think they will, wait, wait, we like Rodgers. We want him to be the quarterback. And we think that's the best thing for us. And it's also the best thing to protect our ass with the Zach Wilson situation if we want to fix it. Right. As I've said, and I, I said this to Florio, I think yesterday, Wilson's the kind of guy that scares you to death if he goes to another team because 
he's the kind of guy where, yeah, Geno Smith or whatever, where fan bases get made fun of, and you go, oh, you, you let guys that guy walk this out guy. the door, yeah. and you let him. And again, they've seen some of these throws and plays where they go, whoa, not a lot of people can do that. We don't want to just give him away. Um, so I, I think that that is uh, your your spot on plug and play sixteen. What do you think, Connor? I think it was the only way that you could try to find a way to salvage yeah, Zach Wilson while being competitive. Right. You've said it before. Like if you go out and give Derek Carr a three to five year deal, well, Zach, well, there's no place for Zach no, Wilson anymore. No. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of options like that. Yep. There's a lot of guys that it just wouldn't have worked. And also, I think the respect factor between them. Like I know Rodgers has been kind of a mini mentor for Zach Wilson. Right. It's his had favorite phone quarterback. Zach's favorite fa- quarterback. One hundred percent. Where Rogers it's like- is your your favorite quarterback's favorite quarterback. He right. really is. Yeah. I mean, Josh Allen favorite quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Joe Burrow favorite quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes favorite quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Because you know? he's the what he was doing special things. They were they were the growing up watching, going, going yeah. that guy is fucking doing <laughs> yeah. what? The, like, like, that's the sports center top ten. I'm going to go in the backyard and see if I can do that right now. One hundred percent. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, no. Yeah. I mean that's really it. I think yeah. it's. I'm curious, and people will laugh at this and mock this and whatever. Who cares? I know we don't care. I'm curious to watch Zach Wilson this preseason yeah. with n- no media. Like no one's going to talk to Zach Wilson anymore. No attention. No expectations. And for the first time in his NFL career which started after a COVID year at BYU, just watching yeah. and digesting. Right. Rather than like, he's never really, hey, it's like yeah. the Lion King, like thrown off the cliff, like yeah. good luck. Yeah. No, he never. I'm, cu- I'm curious. To I watch. am too. I, I would expect it to be good. You know, Roger's going to show him process. Roger's going to show him mechanics. People on his own team are going to go, wait, Rogers throws the ball this hard. Whoa, Zach Wilson throws it harder actually, or now, you know what I mean? Or he's right there with him. You know, I think it's going to give him a little bit more of a respect that way with, like you said, not the bullseye or pressure on him. And, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm one that I'm, I'm expecting him to have a good preseason. Our next one is from Swish B. I know we've talked a lot about how good the Eagles are, but did they lose two – they did lose two coordinators. Do you think the new guys will basically recreate what they already had or will they run their own respective systems? It is interesting how little that is discussed. It is, it is. And I think, you know, I think the big thing is, one – when you talk about the offense, right, I don't think that's going to, you know, change a whole lot or look a whole lot different. Sirianni still has his fingerprints Sirianni on is exactly right. right. I mean, Sirianni and Shane Steichen are two peas in a pot, right? So I don't think anything really changes or looks differently that way. A defense, I do. Defense, I think there's going to be a little bit of a different look. You know, Desai is got a little of the Vic Fangio school of coaching. It's a little more three four based and and it's you know origins there to where yeah it's going to be I think a little bit of a different looking scheme than what we saw from Jonathan Gannon, which was more rooted into you know Matt Eberflus and and some of that coaching tree, which is is a totally different you know coaching style and system than what Sean Desai does and it feels like they have so many different parts on that defense. That's they can really, where, can't they just do whatever they want? Well, that's where, that's where I think it's a, a really good hire because that's kind of how I look at it, like as far as, uh, you know, the Desai defense. It's, it's multiple. It's got a lot there to where, you know, they can adjust on a week-to-week basis. It's very game plan specific, and I think that's where I like it. We're Gannon – you know, like I said, the Matt Eberflus or Mike Zimmer coaching before that was a little bit more of like, no, this is what we do, and we're just going to be really good at it, right? Very now, static. It's very static. 
And he tried to change this year, and he blitzed more and be, tried to become more exotic, and I give him a lot of credit for that. He made some adjustments that were impressive, in my opinion. But, you know, this is already rooted into this defensive system and, and what Sean Desai does. It's interesting what you bringing up the 3-4, because that would be a big change for them. Last year, they were in 4-3 about 20% of the time. Obviously, nickels-based. They were in nickel about 75% right. of the time. Right. But when they had those big fronts, it was, it was a 4-3 front. They yeah, weren't running a lot of 3-4. They'd play with three down defensive linemen in nickel, right. but that's because they like three linebackers on the field. Yeah, so. exactly. You know, like you said, you said it right. The, the game's in nickel, right? What, what I do think is the 3-4 defensive schemes, even though we know most of the time you're down and four down because it's nickel or whatever else, the 3-4 schemes seem to have a little bit more versatility and – Oh, maybe we go a three-three or a three-two or yeah. some weird odd alignment. They, they they toy with that stuff maybe a little bit differently than the four-three teams do. Yeah, that five-man front and nickel, which yeah, is something they right. they dabbled in last year, but only two percent of the time. I know. There, I would think that's going to become a thing with those two guys on the edge. Like, oh yeah. You know who's dropping, who's coming. You don't know. They both can drop into coverage. Riddick or or Nolan, Nolan Smith. Smith yeah, it's right? crazy to think about. So they can do that. Then then you know in the middle you got okay Jordan Davis. <laughs> you got fucking Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter and Fletcher Cox. It's like talking about a super team. So you know those three are coming, and then you just got to figure out which one on the edge is coming. I think that's going to cause some problems for sure. All right, this one is from Lockdown CB. All signs are pointing to Dalton Kincaid taking a Cole Beasley esque role mm-hmm. in the slot for the Bills. Do you gents think they use him this way? And can he put up near 1,000 yards in his first season ever, even with Knox? Beasley had a career-high 967 yards in 2020. Like, this is what I see. Has to be. It's, he's, this the, he's their slot receiver. He's made for it. Yes. I mean, he's Travis Kelsey. Is, is one of the guys. I said he's, you know, one of my draft breakdowns. I said he runs route like a Travis Kelsey. I mean, he's that kind of guy. He did box better than Kelsey did coming out, too. But, yeah, I, I think that's that's how they'll use him. Dawson Knox is a really good tight end, but he don't run routes like this guy does. Or do I think he can do what this guy does after the catch? This is a pretty, pretty special route runner as far as the tight end conversation is concerned. And that's where I think they're, you know, it's 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 where I look at the old, and this is, you know, he's an unpopular name that I'm going to bring up here, but like Gronk and Aaron Hernandez thing, right? They say whatever you want about Aaron Hernandez. I know some fucked up shit happened there, right? On the field, what he did there, the first time I saw Aaron Hernandez run a route, I literally had to, like, wipe my eyes because I was like, wait, is, is, is he really that quick? Is, is he he's quicker than Julian Edelman? Whoa, okay, right? You know, Dalton has some of that, and that's where they can, you know, put some teams in a, in a bind here. I feel like that was a player comparison people probably would have leaned on. If, but everyone's uh, scared understandably, to say it. Understandably. I was like, right, right as I was saying that, I was expecting Pete to be in my ear going, like, oh, did yeah, you have to bring his name yeah, up? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I know. It's just football. We're not trying to talk about other stuff. I think what people might be forgetting is, not forgetting, but yeah. overlooking is the feast or famine nature of Gabe Davis. When, he's, when that's your number two, it's like, man, that's frustrating. When that's your number three, because how consistent Kincaid is, and you don't have to talk about Stephon Diggs. Everyone knows what he is as a number one. It changes, it changes it. the entire offense. Definitely, definitely. My complaint about the Bills the last two years, anybody, everybody knows that. Gabe Davis is not a number two. He's a really good number three, right? And that's where, to me, they've kind of dropped the ball or they just missed that little lack of firepower. But you're right. Now you put this guy as your number two and make him number looks three. Different. It looks totally different. And then you hope James Cooks makes a, another little jump, and all of a sudden you go, okay, we got something here. All right, all of a sudden we became dangerous. 
And I think that's why they made the trade. Because when they saw the receivers go off the board in the first round, they went, oh, shit, there's only one different pass-catching type guy to help us right now this second. And I think they, you know, they value Dalton Kincaid as that guy. All right, we'll close out with a fun one from McFlurry56, who asked, why did you go to Texas for college? What were some of your other top schools you were considering? Oh, good question. All right. Um, man, that's a, that's a good conversation. All right, so uh, at McFlurry56, believe it or not, I was the number one player in the country coming out. So I could go anywhere I wanted. Uh, (laughs) The United States, right. All these crazy people here, they made me one. So I I could go anywhere I wanted. I got into narrowing it down of like Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, Penn State, and Texas, really. We're probably the final five. Miami might have been in there, too. I really loved Miami. I mean, what's not to love? Well, I mean, it was awesome. Especially, I mean, at that time, too, it was like Miami. Might have been the worst decision I ever made. I mean, I would have won. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but I had a hard time with Miami because I was like, man, there's going to be like 20,000 people in the stands for most of the games other than Florida State or one of the game, right? Yeah. And I didn't want to be a part of that atmosphere. I wanted to go somewhere where it's like, no, it's 100,000 every week. Football is the way of we're, life. We're playing a school here that doesn't know how to play football. We still got 100,000 in the stands, right? So, um, but um, – so, long story short, I had a lot of them really liked Michigan. Really, in my heart of hearts, I probably wanted to go to Michigan and Ohio State more than anything. Michigan had Drew Henson. He was a year above yeah, me. multi-sport Right. He was star. the number one quarterback yeah. in the country the year before me. So, and he was a Michigan kid. So, it was kind of like, eh, right? Like, uh, I don't know if that's going to really work out for me there. Right? And But Lloyd Carr, the coach of Michigan, he's, I can still remember him in my family room. Sitting there going, Chris, I'm telling you, Drew's going to go play baseball. It'll be all yours. That's how anybody says it. And I was like, I still look at myself and go, damn, I wish I would have listened to freaking Lloyd Carr there. It's hard to believe someone. It's hard to believe that. Especially when you're like 17. Exactly. Exactly right. Ohio State had a quarterback and Steve Belisari. Uh, who they really liked was a young quarterback as well, and I had people close to the program kind of go, "Man, they really like him." I don't. It could be a dangerous situation for you. Scared my dad, scared me a little bit, whatever. So then I got into Tennessee. Peyton Manning had just left. It was the year they won the national championship with T. Martin. It was my senior year in high school. Man, I really wanted to go to Tennessee. I had a blast on my visit. Me and Albert Hainsworth were going around everywhere. It was awesome. But they changed David Cutcliffe, right? The famous David Cutcliffe. He was the office coordinator. He was the guy who recruited me. And right before I was going to commit, he left. And that's a game changer. It, it did. And it's I committed to them system. still. I remember this story. Right? Yeah. I committed to them still because I wanted to go there. Right? Oh, there I am. Oh, look there at this guy with the hat on and everything. With the hat on, right? Didn't they? We didn't even have a hat that fit in my head. We had to cut it. You see on the back <laughs> yes. there? That's a little weird. It's barely hanging yeah, on. Yeah, I got a big head. With the Lefko turtleneck. Exactly. Right. <laughs> this is MSG. MSG, little Ramapo helmet in the background right there. Mighty Ramapo. But, um, yeah, so then I commit to Tennessee. Cutcliffe had just left like the day or two before that. It was a killer. And, yeah, I might have made a little bit of a young, quick, rash decision there. You know, Tennessee, I was going to have to redshirt a year and then play because T. Martin was coming back. That didn't sit well with me. I thought I was the fucking man. I was like, I want to play as a freshman. Number one recruit in the country. You want to go play. So that's what I want to play. So that those things kind of stood in my brain. And with all of that, 
Mac Brown had been recruiting me in North Carolina. I had loved Mac Brown. He went to Texas. They kept kind of recruiting me. They were begging me to come on a visit, all that. I went on a visit there, and it was absolutely amazing. And uh, I changed my mind from Tennessee a few weeks later. And that was one of the toughest things I ever had to do. I mean, ever. Having to call Philip Fulmer to tell him that I was decommitting after I just committed, you know, two weeks before that. Ah, I can still remember the day. I walked in the house, no cell phones, and I can remember my dad Landline. with the phone. <laughs> yeah. In my, you got to call Coach Fulmer today, right now. And I was like, well, I think I said, can't you do it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So you told me. And he was, like, he was like, absolutely nope, not. Yeah. Absolutely not. And then I call Philip Fulmer, and he doesn't let me talk at first. And he's like, oh, I'm in Alabama right now, recruiting uh, you the best receiver uh, in the country. It makes it worse. And I was like, oh. <laughs> Coach, I'm not coming. And oh, it just uh, that was that was a tough one. Uh, but it's not an easy decision when you're 17 years old. Uh, no, that national attention at that. So age, that's how I, I went imagine. to Texas. Yeah, and I don't know if it was the right decision. It's interesting. You know? Still to this day, it is. It is to this day. I had a great time there. I don't know if it was the best for me and maybe my football career arc. I trust me. I mean, I loved it. But and you had success there. I had success. Not, I know? had a weird situation, the major Applewade situation. Yeah. And then I think him being a Southern boy made more people not like me that when I did beat him out, that they looked, you know, again, like you've heard me say, I mean, I'd be walking down the campus of Texas and people would yell fucking Yankee at me all the time and say all this crazy shit. Or I'd be wearing like Tim's, right? And they'd <laughs> remind me that I'm white. And I was like, oh, I, I know. Yeah, I didn't from know the, the black area. people had yeah. uh, just, they had cornered the market on Timberland boots, right? So those are the things I'm a little bit, bitter with, with Texas. Uh, but either way, some of my best friends and great times there. Yeah, well, you ended up here, so everything worked out. Yeah, thank you very that's, much. This is, the, this is, this is where you. it all matters. Yeah, Absolutely, baby, dude. That's right. Another fun show, man. Yeah, it really thanks, is. Connor. Absolutely. It's always good filling in for Ahmed, who will be back as the quarterback countdown continues yep. next week, right. where you will dive into the top 30. The top 30. So it, gets, it starts to get a little spicy. It's starting to interesting here. Yeah. It will. It will. We, we, feelings are going to be hurt. Yeah, 20 through 30 usually is when the feelings start <laughs> to get hurt for a lot of people. But uh, you know where to find us. Connor, phenomenal job, as thanks, always, man. today. Way here. cooler than Ahmed with your dress and style, for sure. And you have muscles. So, and he doesn't have that. He does right. have horse racing. He does acumen, have. Though. Oh, he has horse racing, and he is Johnny Host. Let me tell you, <laughs> he really right? is. It's he, crazy. He's now. amazing. He um, he's not. Watch him at the Preakness. Hey, anybody, seriously, at the Preakness, if you see him with sweaty pits underneath his suit. Take a picture, please, because I want to make fun of him on Monday. All right. I'm going to be back Monday. Quarterback Countdown will be back Monday. Have a great weekend. Be safe out there. Connor, you the man. Clap it up. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.